You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman. As always, I'm the host of this wonderful podcast. And it is a new week, so we have a new show for you guys. Uh, I am once again going solo today, um, but Tony and I will be back together later this week to grade the Pacers office. We had some scheduling issues, mainly on my end. So I'm going to do a solo show today and discuss why the Pacers haven't made a trade this offseason. The idea for this podcast came from a simple uh, thought. So if I was explaining this offseason to anybody, right? Let's not, you know, let's let's get out of the, the Pacer bubble and explain just to any old person on the street about the Pacers. Asking you three things the Pacers did this offseason. Go. First one, hired a new coach. Talked about that a lot so far. Uh, re-signed T.J. McConnell slash let Levy Dermott go. Right, that was a big move. I think that was the biggest player transaction they made all season. Third one, they didn't make any major trade with either the centers, any starter, or any other player. And I think that's an important piece of what happened. This summer, obviously, there are about three-ish trade targets, right? Four players, but three trade targets, in my mind. Um, We'll discuss all three of them, going segment by segment. Um, So we'll end with talking about Malcolm Brogdon, who I think is probably the least likely pitcher to get trade, but was on the rumor mill for a lot of this offseason. Then there's Jeremy Lamb, who I think is probably the most likely pitcher to still get traded. Could still happen. I'm not saying it's over. Uh, And then we'll, we'll start with the centers, who I think are the obviously the the most likely or most talked about trade targets and biggest names and biggest transactions could make before we get to the center i want to give a quick caveat Pacers did make a trade they did sign and trade doug mcdermott away and technically they traded for their first round pick obviously but i'm talking about kind of trades with current players on the roster for actual players the mcdermott sign and trade doesn't equal a player yet it could let me wrong it could equal a player in the future, probably not this season, but it could next season. And I, I you know, the trade system that they occur that could be used. But I think the, the, when I talk about haven't made a trade yet, they haven't made a move. That you're like, oh, they swapped this guy for that guy, or they made, you know, they cleared out this to make this move in the future. Everything they've made has been marginal trades. And so the center's one is the big one because I think that's been the, the most talked about trade for probably two years now, maybe going into three. Obviously, last offseason in October last year, when we had that weird offseason, the Pacers almost traded Miles Turner for Gordon Hayward. Uh, would have been Turner and McDermott for Hayward. Would have been a great trade for the Pacers, the Celtics, and everybody involved. But whatever, Boston didn't didn't want to make the move for some reason. Uh, probably luxury tax implications, frankly, for those players. Um, but this offseason wasn't the same amount of rumors, right? There was some discussion about Turner trades, about this or that. Um, the, the conversation has very much shifted. I think three years ago, it was... What center do they pick to probably the last two seasons it's become, okay, Sabonis probably is the go-to center. So how much can you get for Turner? Is there enough value out there to make a trade? If there isn't one, what, you know, what do you do, right? Is, you know, they don't really have like a four waiting in the wings, right? It'd be much easier for the Pacers to make a move if they had a power forward, you know, guy who could play that four spot waiting in the wings, right? And that's where I think O'Shea plays into this, where if O'Shea has a really good first 40, 50 games, it looks like the player he was for 20 games last year, the decision on a trade becomes a lot easier because then you can actually understand why you should, you know, you should, the five players you should play is Brogdon, Lavert, Warren, O'Shea, and Sabonis, or maybe Turner, whatever it is, but then it becomes kind of easier. But right now, the Pacers, if they traded away Turner or Sabonis, 
would have to start O'Shea. I'm not sure O'Shea's a starter yet. And they don't start O'Shea, I guess it's Tory Craig, maybe, or the player they trade for. And there really hasn't been any, you know, there's not really a ton of fours, like, sitting out there available in the perfect trades. Um, you certainly could go kind of different. They could trade for, like, a shooting guard small forward and play Warren at the four a little bit, although I think that would, you know... Warren's coming off an injury. I think you want to kind of put him in a spot where he doesn't have to take as much bruising. And I think at the four spot, he would take a lot of beating. Um, but like when you look at like the four, there just isn't a ton of them that are available. Uh, the best, you know, the best guys who could play the four, like, like the Kawhis, the PGs, those kind of like stretch fours, small forward players obviously aren't available. LeBron isn't available. Anthony Davis isn't available. But those guys kind of could play the four. Um, even go down the list a little bit further, like Aaron Gordon's a four. He's not available. That trade was already made. Maybe that was a trade the Pacers should have made. Um, but they gave a lot of assets for Aaron Gordon, and the Pacers just weren't in a position to do that. And they didn't, you know, in Orlando, didn't necessarily want another contract of a decent player. They wanted assets they could build around for the future because they were rebuilding. So that kind of made sense for them and not for the Pacers the same way. Um, you know, keep going on the list. I guess like Thaddeus Young is a four, but I wouldn't right now trade Turner for Thaddeus Young straight up. I don't think that's enough value for Turner. I think. Even though Turner and Sabonis together is probably a muted version of Sabonis, I think that's still better than Thaddeus Young. I mean, the other option that you can't find the perfect four, and like I said, if you get this O'Shea, if O'Shea becomes your starting four, is you could trade Turner for two players to basically extend your depth, right? I, I, I think back to, like, I think it was Philly ended up flipping, I think, Josh Richardson for Danny Green and Seth Curry. That could be a move, like something like that, not that actual trade, but like a move where you go get two bench players, uh, that's probably even on 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 the, on the higher side, frankly, for them. But like, do you, do you make a move where you get two nine million dollar salaries or a ten and an eight for Turner uh, to make it match? Because that's the other thought is like, then then you improve your bench maybe because the Pacers depth wise have depth, but I, I I'm not like sold on their depth, right? So you go, I think they're starting four, you know, let's call it because in this sense they'll be one of the centers, right? The starting four would be Sabonis, Warren. Brogdon, Levert is solid. I think then Justin Holiday makes five. TJ McConnell makes six solid players right there. And then you're sitting in this area where, like, these players are probably okay, but the team wasn't that good last year, so how good are they? But you're looking at, like, how good is Goga then? Probably backup center, fine. How good is O'Shea? We'll have to see. If O'Shea is good, that makes seven, maybe. Uh, Torrey Craig, is he good? He could be. Um, we don't know. He didn't play a ton last year for either team. You know, remember, he switched teams mid-year. He was good-ish, but is he... A rotation player, who knows? Sumner the same way. Lamb has not been good, obviously, uh, this last season. So, like, it could hurt to get two more reliable players for Turner if you kind of can get one of those guys to be the four. Or, like I said, if O'Shea becomes the fourth, you have your, then you have seven and turn Turner into two more players who are more playable, right? Because if O'Shea can become your four, then you're looking at the fact that, like, you don't need Turner. You don't need Goga then, really, because you're, you're just playing Turner as the backup center, which is, like, a way undervaluing how much money he makes. So... That's where it kind of stands. I mean, I don't think they'd pick training Sabonis over Turner. I think Turner's defense is super valuable, but Sabonis, I think, has the potential to be just, like, a much, like, better offensive player, and that is just more a more valuable skill set in the league right now, where I think we've seen in the playoffs, even even if you have a great center defensively, it doesn't necessarily relate to, to playoff success, where I think if offensive talent leads to success right now, I mean, we're just in an offensive league in, in that way, you know, look at Gobert, right? Utah can't seem to get its way out of the second round of the playoffs, no matter how good they are in the regular season. Um, other centers better defensively than Turner, I guess, would be like Embiid is, but Embiid's issues is not the fact that he's that the defense is just a whole other, the whole team thing. 
um, where I feel like Gobert is because he really is just offensively talented enough to carry that team. I mean, I think I think there's a pretty good case if Jamal Murray is healthy that the Nuggets probably get to the Eastern or West Conference Finals last year. Um, so we've seen that like the offense right now wins over defense. It's just kind of been that way for a little while. I guess the Bucks are maybe the exception to that rule, although they're not really because the Nets had stayed 100% healthy. The Bucks probably lose that series because the Nets just outscore them even though they don't play any defense. So I, I, I think Sabonis definitely is the is the the pick of the centers, but I just don't think there's any moves out there right now. But I do think we could see a midseason trade if that four spot gets more clarified. Um, and really the only option to kind of take over the fourth O'Shea Brissett. If not, the Pacers are going to have to figure out how to make a move. with. If they don't make a move with Turner, they should move Goga at some point because it's just useless. He's not going to play a ton of minutes, and it seems kind of bad for him and for, and for the team just to have Goga sitting there as a third center, as a rookie on his third year. They should try to put that into a contract that like at least can be maybe used like another young player or, or a reset on the timeline of a rookie skill, right? Maybe you go for a guy who maybe traded for a future pick that's like one from one of the you know, better than the league, so it's like outside the top 25, but it but it kind of resets the rookie clock because, frankly, if they're going to keep three centers of the roster, every team wants three centers, but you don't want three centers you should have to play, right? The third center should be somebody who is probably like has the expectation that he's only going to play five, ten minutes or fill in on injury, and Goga should be playing more than that as a third-year player unless he just isn't that good and we haven't, you know, they, they, they know that and they don't want to, Playing because of that, but I don't think we know Go hasn't played enough minutes, and he's been just kind of muted because of everything that's going on with the other centers, uh, and they just haven't picked one. I think I think when the Pacers drafted Goga, they thought they'd pick a center, one of those two, by this point, and they just haven't, and it's been kind of interesting. So um, I don't think a center trade is like immediate. I doubt there'll be one before the season, but there could be one mid-season. But I think that's why they haven't made a trade yet. I just think there isn't enough options out there, and they don't have enough um, clarity at their power forward spot to make a trade internally without trading for a power forward straight up and there just aren't a lot available at the moment all right the next player i want to talk about who hasn't been traded yet who actually could be traded i think before the season and that is jeremy lamb but first today's locked on pacers podcast is brought to you by sweat block there are a few things in life that just aren't fun to talk about and one of them is excessive sweating You know that type of sweating where you're sweating through your shirt for no reason? It's kind of embarrassing, right? Well, I know this problem isn't life or death, and there are much worse problems in the world. Let's be honest. In the moment when you sweat like this, it's kind of embarrassing and feels like a big deal. Nobody likes to pit out during an important speech, interview, or first date, God forbid. You'd rather have other things to worry about, and that's why you should use Sweatblock Antiperspirant Wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than the most clinical antiperspirants. Simply apply it at night before bedtime and go to bed. Next morning, wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat, guaranteed. I know this sounds too good to be true, but literally, sweat block is a once or twice a week option that keeps you dry the whole week. No more pitting out, no more picking your shirts based on which one hides sweat better. If someone you know is dealing with this, or you are, you have to check out sweat block today. You get 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on. It's L O C K E D O N. Or you can find Sweatblock at Amazon or CVS retailers. Try Sweatblock today. And today's Locked On Pacers Pockets is also brought to you by Indeed. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed. The job site makes hiring incredibly simple just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Don't just hope your perfect candidate will find you. Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, 
Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. With Indeed assessments, choose from the 135 skill tests to help make sure you are finding applications from people with skills that you need. According to TalentNest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all job sites combined. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And right now, get started with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your post at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D for a $75 credit. Indeed.com slash locked. Offered valid December 30th. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back. So I think Jeremy Lamb is the most likely pacer to be traded before the season, but he hasn't been traded yet. Um, I think there, there are probably still a lot of um, minor moves being made on the edges, right? I think between now and the end of the month, we definitely could see Lamb get traded uh, simply for the fact that you look at Keelan Martin, the pacers, basically 15th man guarantee date, and they push that back further to the end of the month-ish. I think it's uh, I think it's towards the end of the month. I think it's the 27th, 28th. I don't have the exact date. I think it's, I don't think it's been released either, but it's somewhere in that range. So the reason they did that is because the Pacers are right up against the luxury tax. They are on the 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 bubble where if they spend like I think basically like maybe half a million to a million more dollars, they'll end up paying the luxury tax, which isn't that big of a deal in terms of what you owe. But it's what you miss out on. If they are in the luxury tax, they miss out on what was probably around $10 million in uh, shared revenue. So really, by spending a million dollars, it's it's $11 million swing. They don't want to do that, right? They just don't want to be in the luxury tax. They want to get guaranteed into this, what is called this non-luxury paying um, split money, basically. There's a better term for it, but basically all the teams that aren't in luxury tax split all the money from the teams that are paying the luxury tax. And it's a nice big check. And it's really to help smaller markets out like Indiana. So it makes sense, right? A Lamb move, it makes sense because they might want to get get a little lower, right? Flip Lamb's $10.5 million deal for, let's say, an $8 million deal or a $7 million deal um, to really give them some more breathing room because they're at the threshold, too, right now, where if um, any one of their players' bonuses, whether it's a bonus uh, who has got some bonuses in his contract that could easily happen if he makes like an All-NBA team or you know they get, they get pretty far in the playoffs, I believe, is his guarantees. TJ Warren's got some incentives based on three-point shooting. Turner, I think, are already guaranteed. Although, no, they're not because he did not make all, all defense. So Turner's also are unguaranteed this year. And then there's McConnell. So there's a chance, right, if they have a really great year, those players all hit their bonus and they end up in luxury tax anyways. So maybe they want to get a little more breathing room. So, like, if two of them hit, they still aren't in the tax and whatnot. And that would make some sense. It makes a lot of sense logistically. If not, they'll probably end up cutting Martin to get a very – and then go for a very – or either cutting or renegotiating to a very, very low guarantee for somebody like Keelan Martin so they can – they can assess this deal later in the future because uh, Chad Buchanan, I think, told Tony that they wanted a um, kind of a non-guaranteed guy as their 15th spot, which makes sense. Somebody they can maybe move if they need to to save the money or whatnot. Um, and so Keelan could be that guy if they just negotiate that. But I think that the, it seems like the plan right now is to keep pushing Keelan's date until they figure out the land situation. And then basically he has to see if he's another team to go to or not. If not, he might come back to the pitch on a non-guaranteed deal next season. Um, you know, if he goes, he could get a two-way deal. Kevin Martin can a two-way deal would get him five hundred thousand dollars. Let's say I think his salary is maybe offer him five hundred and twenty-five on a partial guarantee. That could be the compromise. We'll see what happens there. I mean, they could keep pushing that date back till forever, basically. Um, but I think we'll start to know towards the end of August whether they make a move or not. Lamb makes a lot of sense to trade. He didn't play in the team's last fifteen games. Um, really, just inactive. I assume a coach decision. He was a liability on the defensive end all season long. He shot okay from three, 
but uh, just was not very good, frankly. Uh, and it's kind of a waste of a pretty large salary, right? For $10.5 million this offseason, that's what, I mean, I guess what did McDermott get? He got like 14, I think. He got like three for 42 or something like that. Um, so like right there, you know, Lamb and Aaron Holiday combined would have kept it a McDermott. That's the opportunity cost, basically. Um, because they could have resigned McDermott. They just don't want to pay the luxury tax. So if they had basically cleared out Lamb's salary plus another one with maybe Goga, they could have kept McDermott. So that's the kind of player they could have got. For $10.5 million, just a lot more talent there than Lamb. At the time, I don't think the Lamb signing was that bad. I thought it made a lot of sense. They needed, they basically had the extra money to spend. Lamb was coming off some pretty good season with Charlotte. I mean, in this 2018-19, Lamb averaged 15.5 points on 12 shots, shooting 44 and 35 shooting. Uh, he can create on his own. Just a huge skill set for the Pacers team. And after 18-19, they couldn't literally create his own shot. He was young. And you're getting to play your bench minutes. And he actually has been, he was okay, I think, in his first in the Pacers. He just, in 2019-20, Obviously injured prone uh, and just like constantly kind of in and out of the lineup that first year. He finally tore his ACL meniscus, which was not great. Uh, and the last season, he just, he just, he had his shooting was there, but his, de- his defense was bad. I mean, I think you convince yourself that if you do bring him back, that he could be better defensively after uh, it would not be like a year and a half removed from that injury. Maybe he's working on it this offseason. Contract year, Lamb too, might be something uh, that could work. I know, I know there's, there's varying stats when the contract years work, but I do think there's some motivation for a guy like Lamb who's in his prime. Or if Lamb comes in and has a really good 21-22 season, he's probably looking at another you know, $10-plus million dollar contract because I think you can kind of forgive his his last two seasons and talk up to injury, frankly. And if he comes in and has a really solid offense and plays okay on the defensive end, he's looking at another big contract. And I think, you know, not like a big, big one, but maybe like a two for 30, two for 20 kind of deal. But he's got to come out and play really well to get that. I mean, he's certainly going to have a spot in the league next year. I mean, this guy was, you know, um, a, you know, basically the sixth man for Charlotte for years was really good. So I, I don't think, I don't think he's going to be out of the league, but I do think it being a contract year could be a little more motivating. He could, could be better. I mean, um, you know, if he is at all like close to where he was in Charlotte, that's a really good player off the bench for that pitch. The really good seventh, eighth man. It helps kind of run out their bench unit. It's a nice guy to have. You can play in the starting lineup when somebody like Warren or Levert or Brogdon misses a game or two. Um, it'd be really solid. But he just wasn't even like near that player last year. So m- trading him makes sense, I think, if you can find the right partner and you get a player and get a guy you can play now, right? So they like another another good option would be to flip him for like a four or somebody, you know, I know they have O'Shea right now, but somebody, or probably more like a three, but another guy who could just kind of fit in the bench lineup. Um, Cause I think right now, if I had to guess, right, we have the starting five, obviously. Uh, and then the, there's going to be three guys on the bench that I think I guaranteed spots, I think would be O'Shea, uh, O'Shea, McConnell and, uh, and Justin Holiday. And then it's going to be like Tory Craig, Edmund Sumner, Goga competing for other spots, Duarte um, and then Lamb, obviously. So that's like five guys competing for what is probably one or two playable spots. Um, so maybe even you flip Lamb for somebody who's actually not even as good as him, but just less money so you don't hit the luxury tax. And the guy, maybe a younger player. Uh, I don't know what the market is for Lamb. I'm not sure. I mean, do you have to give give up? You know, is this the kind of thing where you trade bad asset for bad asset? Or do you have to attach something to Lamb to get off him? That would be concerning to me. I'm not sure I want to give up a, you know, I guess a second-round pick would be fine, but I'm not sure I'm going to give a first-round pick. I'm definitely not a first-round pick to give a Lamb. I'd rather just roll the dice this year if I'm the Pacers. But um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, I think I think he is probably the most likely player to get traded between now and August. I mean, this podcast look kind of dumb for calling it the Pacers haven't made a trade yet or why they didn't make a trade this offseason. But uh, to me, it'll again be a, like, kind of like a margin move, but it could be interesting. It could, it could do enough. I mean, 
I think that the, the interesting part about Lamb when they signed him had always been that you could use his contract by the center time to get to about $28, $29 million, which you could trade for like a really good player. I think that's off the market right now unless they want to get first round picks. Like I don't think any any superstars really available unless the patient really to like push all all the chips in at, at kind of once. Um, but you know, I'd love to see them try to get in, in in on a Simmons trade. We saw the rumors and whatnot. Um, the Brogdon in a first. I don't think that, I think that was shot down by Jay Michael eventually. But I think in general, the Pacers sniffing around on Simmons makes sense uh, because it's the type of player they might never get. That's what I talk about next is Malcolm Brogdon trade rumors, uh, including that Simmons one, and why I think he probably will not get traded and make probably not any sense to trade Brogdon at this point. But first, we got to get to some more of our sponsors because today's Locked on Pacers podcast is also brought to you by Rock Auto. The ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Winder often pointless for seemingly intimidating questioning. And wait, while person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer choosing the only brand the warehouse happens to carry. You have a computer with access to rockauto.com at your home or in your pocket with a mobile phone. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-yourself was online for over 20 years. Prices are always reliably low for every customer. Go to the website today and explore their easy-to-use website and find the solution to all the parts your car will need. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, in the How Do You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you a main selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And we are also brought to you by our wonderful friends over at Built Bar, that amazing protein bar company we'll be talking about for over a year on the Locked On Pacers podcast. They come in nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time offer one. Uh, they come in flavors like coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's something for everyone in there. My favorite one, the peanut butter brownie one. Also, I, but I do like the double chocolate one as well. You can tell I'm kind of a sweet guy. Uh, these are great. They are all between 130 and 180 calories, 17, 18 grams of protein. I'm a big fan of these as a kind of a mid-afternoon snack, the between lunch and dinner kind of meal. Work out in the morning, need a little high protein, something to help build the muscle back up. I eat one of these in the afternoon. They're great. They come in a mixed box. You get two of each flavors. You can try them on, pick your favorite one, and determine which ones you like the best. And right now, if you go to builtbar.com, you are called locked15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You get 15% off your first order. Promo code locked15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. And we're back to wrap up the show. So we uh, there have been some rumors out there, obviously, from Malcolm Brogdon for a while. Um, I think it's been kind of the, the low-key, most available pacer this summer, possibly, or be most talked about pace of the summer. I think part of that has to do with Brogdon's coming off a really, really good season, frankly, and teams seeing that and trying to take advantage of the Pacers who had a bad season, maybe thinking, oh, maybe they'll get rid of Brogdon uh, because of X, Y, Z. I don't really know why they would, frankly, unless they can upgrade the point guard spot. Uh, the big trade, obviously, that we saw rumor-wise, which I think has been shot down and really isn't true, was some combination of like Brogdon and a first for um, for Ben Simmons. I don't that makes a lot of sense for Philly, frankly. Um, maybe it does for the Pacers. I think any kind of any kind of trade for uh, for Simmons makes sense for the Pacers. But I think with Brogdon right now, the Pacers probably should hold off on any trade. I mean, he's coming off a twenty-one point 
45% from the field, 39% from three, and 86% from the line uh, shooting year. He had a little less assists, 5.9 assists and 5.3 rebounds. Um, but I think he's definitely proven he can be a point guard 40 to 50% of the time for the starters. I think is what you want anyways, right? Between him, Sabonis, and Levert, uh, you can find enough ball handling there to bring up the ball. Those three guys can each kind of you know, rotate as kind of the lead ball handler at times. Uh, he had He's back to his, I mean, basically he shot 39% on 6.7 attempts, so he's back to his really solid three-point shooting. He's back in the kind of 40% club for there. Um, I think you give him a little less shots, he can, be a little, he can be even more efficient, frankly, and you'll be able to do that once you have kind of Warren back in a normal starting five for at least till somebody gets hurt, but for now. So I just don't know. I mean, I mean, I guess the Simmons trade is an upgrade um, at that spot, although I'm not sure. I mean, Simmons is a better player than Brogdon, but I think that's probably, you probably have to go like too many first to make that work. Um, and I think if you're the Pacers, you're more looking for like a two or a three. And what you're looking to do is not trade Brogdon, but trade one of your centers, Lamb, and have some first to make a move. I just don't know if a Brogdon move makes sense. Obviously, he's got two more years on his contract. Will he be back? That's an interesting question. Um, you know, the thing the Pacers will have uh, when they resign him is his bird rights. Um, and we'll see how much cap is available, right? So, like, they might have to overpay to resign Brogdon at age, what, at that point, he'll be 30. Um, so, like, maybe we're talking four for 120 or whatnot. Um, but I'm not sure a lot of teams will have $30 million in cap space come two years ago, but you don't know. I mean, cap space in the league is up and down. You don't really know where the team's going to be. You know, somebody will have it, you know, if it's a good team or whatnot. Um, but I don't know if trading Brogdon right now makes a lot of sense. I think he keeps you... He keeps you good. I mean, obviously, I think, like, the Simmons trade, when you go back to that one, I keep, you know, I keep hitting on it. Like, Simmons is a really good player, and I don't think swapping him from Brogdon downgrades your team, frankly. So maybe make a move like that. But I don't think you trade Brogdon to trade Brogdon, right? You're moving Brogdon to make a bigger move for somebody, like, really good. But you don't really have a point guard, right? That's the problem. So, like, if you're not trading for a point guard, then what are you doing, right? Because then are we starting teaching McConnell for the Pacers? I don't think so. I don't think he kind of was a starting level player. He's a really good bench player, but I, I couldn't see him playing 32 minutes on a playoff team, frankly. Um, I just he's just not that 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 player to be honest. So um, I think with Brogdon, it, it's probably a hold right now until you either like can either you either you trade him for another point guard, right? So like, is he the the Damian Lillard trade? Probably not either. But like, maybe that's the move you make the bunch of first. Maybe he's the player you take him Lamb and a bunch of first and move into the center. But you know, push your chips into the center for that kind of move. But I think, frankly, you're looking for a two through four, and then you're just shifting guys around at, at, to make that work, right? So, like, you're trading Turner or Sabonis or somebody um, in that range. You get maybe a two, and then you play Levert, the three, Warren, the four, or, you know, and you can do the rest of the math there. You put one of the three, Warren plays the four in it in the situation or whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think a Brogdon trade is very likely. I think he makes the team better. I don't think there's an, I don't think any team's going to trade you a better player for Brogdon right now, um, you know, even get a player of equal level, but I think Brogdon's been a really good player for this team since he got here. He's really embraced the point guard role in a way I think that has been, to me, kind of impressive. I mean, I, I agree he probably isn't your all-the-time dominant ball handler, but he clearly can be, you know, he's a pretty clutch player. He's kind of stepped into the role where he's the leader of this team now, where I think when he came in, Vic was, but now he is, uh, and he's been pretty good for this team, right? I mean, two years ago, they were almost a 50, what, five-win team, and like that, percentage-wise, with him as their lead point guard, right? They were really good until like, till COVID, right? I mean, they are still good in the bubble, but, like, their record before COVID hit was really good. They were a really good team. Now, he got hurt at that point, so that also could have changed things, and that's one of the weird things here. But, like, him as their lead player for 54 games two years ago, they had a really good basketball team, and so there's nothing wrong with that. 
The big thing with Tim, right, is injury, right? He missed, uh, what, 17 games this year, 18 games the year before, 18 years before that. So he, he hasn't played more than, like, um, I don't know what's called, like 75% of a games in a season in a, in a long time. So that that's an issue, don't get me wrong. But when he does play, he helps the Pacers win. And that's and that, that's a big thing. And so I don't, I really wouldn't trade him with the Pacers. I would see what Rick Carlisle can do with him because I think he got better under Bjorkman, even though he probably he was kind of miserable there. And so let's see if he'll be even better under a better coach. We want to use him better. And, you know, let's see if he'll become kind of an 18.8 assist guy, right? I mean, I think that's kind of where... Uh, he ideally could be, you know, on like, you know, 47, 40 splits, taking 11 shots a game. That would be kind of interesting to me to see if he could put up that kind of numbers. I mean, that was, that was kind of his at least offensive out, output when he was with Milwaukee. Nowhere near the assist numbers, but, you know, he's had, he's been playing with much higher usage rate and really hasn't gotten worse, right? So he took his usage rate the past, pull it up the past, you know, he went from 20% in Milwaukee basically to 25 to 26 this year. And he's gotten better each time. So like you put the ball in his hands, he just plays better. And that's a player I don't think you want to trade if you're the Pacers. But that's just my opinion. I, I'm a big fan of Brogdon. I think he's he's been probably the like most, you know, him is both the most reliable players the past two seasons, frankly. Um, I think Brogdon is just like the most clutch player at the end of games for the Pacers they have right now. And it's really hard to trade a guy who would close games, right? You just, they don't have a lot of those players right now. So they, they definitely need to, I keep as many as they can, frankly. So, um, so that those are my thoughts. My pitchers haven't made a trade yet. Uh, so, if anybody asks you why they haven't made a trade, point to this podcast um, or regurgitate what I said in a better format because that's what pe- people do, and that's completely okay. That's how podcasts work. You listen to them and you think, and you you digest from them. Um, as always, you can follow this podcast at Locked On Pacers on Twitter. I think we're the three days a week now for the off season, so we'll have a show for you guys on Wednesday and Friday this week. Uh, Tony and I will be back together one day this week to do off-season grades, and then we'll have another show on something this week. We're kind of figuring out our off-season schedule still, so stay tuned with us. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at FriedmanAdam5. My co-host Tony said T-EastMBA. That is all for his Lockdown Pacers podcast. We will see you guys later this week. Peace.